Good morning, friends. Welcome to The Well. My name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. If you're new with us, you're our guest, and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to let us know you're here, just text the word WELCOME to 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with a digital connect card. Just fill that out and tell us about yourself, and you'll get more information about The Well. Thanks for being with us today. And today is the last Sunday of our series, 2020 Clarity. In this series, we've been looking back over this year, and we've been asking ourselves the question, has 2020 clarified your view of your life. Is that true for you? As you look back over this year, has 2020 and everything we've been through this year, COVID-19 and and the political division and uh, the, the racial and social crises we've been facing and the hardship that many have faced economically, as you look back over this year, has 2020 helped you to clarify the way you view your purpose, your time, your job, the way you view your loved ones, the way you view even religion, Christianity, your spirituality, even your view of our country, America itself, has 2020 helped you to clarify the way you view your life? And today we're wrapping up that series with this question, how has 2020 helped you to clarify your purpose and the way you view your loved ones? So we're talking about your career, your job, the way you use your time, the way you use your gifts and skills, your purpose. And then the way you view your family and your friends, the people who are closest to you. So first, has 2020 helped you to clarify your purpose? Several people in the well have either lost their job, been laid off because of the economic downturn, or they've had to find a new job, or uh, they have changed their career entirely because 2020 was a clarifying year for them and they decided they just they just needed to switch you know direction and 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 find a new career that fit who they are other people have told me that they are focusing on their hobbies more that 2020 has helped to clarify for them that they're just not spending enough time doing the things they enjoy doing and so is that true of you you know they realize life is short and and they want to be able to use their gifts and skills for a purpose. When the quarantine first started, The Guardian ran an article entitled, Our Post-Pandemic Selves. I love that phrase, our post-pandemic selves. Why the virus is an opportunity to grow and develop. How times of struggle can pave the way for new ways of life. And in this article, they quoted um, Justin E.H. Smith, the professor of history and philosophy at the University of Paris. And he writes, there is liberation in this suspension of more or less everything. Liberation during the COVID quarantine. And then Dr. Susan David, a Harvard psychologist and host of a new TED podcast on coping emotionally with the pandemic, said that people who've gone through trauma or struggle in the way that we are experiencing now, that struggle can simultaneously be distressing and there is enormous growth and power that can come from it. So think about viewing the COVID-19 shutdown as liberation in a sense, and that enormous growth can come through or come from the year that we've lived through. Has COVID-19 and 2020 in general been liberating for you at all? Now, for many, it's been a year of suffering and over 250,000 Americans have lost their lives. And in this tragedy, has anything about this been liberating for you? 
Has there been an opportunity for growth and development this year? Has it helped you to focus on your purpose and what really matters? When you are reminded of your own mortality, this is true of me at least, let's see if it's true of you, there are lots of things in life that start to look petty and unimportant. We used to think they were really important, but, but now it just doesn't seem that important. You may feel trapped in a, in a job that really doesn't match who you are or your gifts and your skills. And before the pandemic, you thought like, this is all you have, you better stay put. You know, it's too risky to try something else. And maybe now you're thinking, in light of my own mortality, maybe it's time to do what I enjoy. That's liberating. That's an opportunity for growth and development. When you have a dream that you've been dismissing as too impractical or not realistic, and you're reminded of your own mortality and, and that our time on this planet is short, you start to think, well, maybe I have that dream for a reason and I can, I can do something. Maybe, maybe God is calling me to do something. Maybe that dream is there for a reason and maybe I should pursue that dream. Maybe you've been in a job that doesn't use your skill set and you're having a Liam Neeson moment. What I do have is a particular set of skills and you're realizing through 2020 that it's time to be in a job that allows you to be who you fully are and use everything that you have, your, your personality, your passion, your, your skill set, your experience, and you could just pour yourself into a job that you love. Maybe you're retired, but maybe for you, 2020, as far as your purpose goes, has helped to clarify that, wait, you know, I have all these things and I have all this life experience and I could, I could be using these things for a purpose, to, to make the world better, to make my community better, to make my church better. Has 2020 helped to clarify your purpose, whether it's your career or your job or uh, serving and volunteering? No matter what your job is, or if you're retired, you do have a greater purpose. We all have a greater purpose. And the division and chaos of this year and, and the outright hatred we have seen expressed in our country this year has, has shown us as clearly as possible that our country desperately needs love and empathy and compassion. We need as many people, can I get an amen to that one? We need as many people as possible to decide when they go low, we go high. And we need love and compassion and empathy as much as any time that we've ever needed it in the history of our country. You know, that's called clarity. When we just see the ugliness of what is happening and we realize I just don't want to live that way. A person uh, in our church has a sign in her yard that says, love your neighbor, your black, brown, immigrant, disabled, religiously different, LGBTQ, fully human neighbor. She has that sign in her yard. That, that's a signal that, that she realizes that she stands for these things. And she has for a long time, but perhaps 2020 has clarified that even more for her. She is so committed to loving your neighbor in this way. She met a guy online recently 
And she shared with me that one of the first things she communicated to this guy was she sent him a picture of that sign. And, And in the message, she's like, what do you think about my sign in my yard? How's that for wisdom? She, she knows what she's doing because she said, if, if he can't sign off on that, if he can't agree that these values are important to him the way that they're important to me, we're not going to have a good relationship. So she started off her communication with this guy by sending him a picture of that sign. That's clarity. That's focus. Has 2020 clarified for you the need to stand for these things in your own life. The need for love and compassion and empathy. It has for me. This year has clarified for me more than ever. I want to be committed to being an anti-racist, to being for LGBTQ rights. I want to be for women's rights. I want to be for equality. I am, I am in favor of science and research and medical science and the CDC. I'm in favor of all of these things. And, and for me, it's clarified even more for me that I am committed to all these things, not in spite of my faith, but because of my faith. In a year when we've seen so many people who use the name of Jesus and they call themselves Christians and they quote the Bible and they seem to stand for the most hateful, bigoted ideas and they want to diminish other people and they actually seem to want to take other people's rights away from them. It is clarified for me more than ever that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am not for these things in spite of my faith. I am for these things because of my faith. Does that ring true for you? Has 2020 clarified for you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? In Matthew 22, a lawyer comes to Jesus and and asks Jesus a great question. He asks Jesus, uh, what is the greatest commandment? He says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, what is is this all about? What is being a good person all about? What is being a spiritual person all about? What is being a a follower of, of Jesus all about? And when Jesus is asked a question, Jesus often answers with a story or with another question. That's just typical Jesus. And and that story or that question would would cause the, the questioner to think more deeply for themselves to explore their own assumptions, to challenge their assumptions, and to realize some spiritual truth on their own. Not here. When the lawyer asked Jesus this question, Jesus gives a direct, clear answer. It's tweetable. It's a tweet. It's a quote. It's, it's, it's so simple that, that uh, it's amazing how so many of us can get this wrong. And it's actually a mashup of Deuteronomy and Leviticus in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And here's what Jesus says, verse 36, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it or linked to it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you were to ask Jesus, what does it mean to be a Christian? Christian means little Christ, somebody who follows Jesus. Here is Jesus's answer. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor like you love yourself. No matter what your career is or your specific purpose, this is the greater purpose of your life and of my life. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot be a Christian and be a racist. You cannot be a Christian and be a homophobe. Contrary to what so many so-called Christians seem to think. You can't be a Christian and be anti-women. You can't be a Christian and be anti-science. Why is that? Genesis tells us actually in the, in the creation account, there's actually two creation accounts. I've spoken about this in the past and you, you could listen to sermons like that at wellchurch.org. What Genesis actually tells us is we're created in the image of like, in likeness of God. You have a brain and an ability to reason and use rational thinking according to Genesis because God does. And you are created in God's image. So in other words, if God created you with a brain, then it's okay to use it in church. So we can be committed to loving our neighbor and be committed to science and being, and being rational, thinking people, not in spite of our faith, but because of our faith. We value those things because of your faith. Has 2020 clarified your purpose for you? Are you pro-democracy? Are you against authoritarianism? Are you for the rights of human beings? Like this, this person in the well sign says, has 2020 clarified your purpose? And then has 2020 clarified the way you view your loved ones. Some of you might be thinking right now, Ryan, you know, I want to love my neighbor, but I can't have any more conversations with people who I now know are racists or who are conspiracy theorists or who are authoritarians. I'm thinking there are family members I have who might be fascists at this point. Ryan, how do I love my neighbor? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talk about that as well, right after the election in a sermon, the first sermon in this series actually is called America, about how we relate to people who are so different from us. You can go back and listen to that one at wellchurch.org as well. But essentially we said, some people need to be loved from a distance. There are some folks who, because of their foolishness, you can't have a close relationship with them. You have to set boundaries with them and you can still love them but that doesn't mean you have an ongoing relationship with that person. Some people need to be loved from a distance. But many of us have not seen extended family and friends since the pandemic began. Hopefully you can, you can you know, have Zoom calls with them or Skype or FaceTime Messenger or whatever technology you use. And, and some of us live alone. Somebody in the well said to me a few weeks ago, I don't want to die from COVID, but I also don't want to die from loneliness. And I can understand where she's coming from. So some of us haven't seen family and we're wishing we saw them more. Some of us have seen our families more than we ever have in our lives. For some of us, that's great. And for some, that's a challenge. I've gotten to spend more time with my wife and, and boys than I ever have 
and it's been amazing for me. I, sometimes I feel guilty when people ask me, how are you getting through this year? And, and I tell them, it's kind of like the, the Dickens quote, it was the, the, the best of times, it was the worst of times. And because there are so many people who are suffering, and at the same time, it's been great for me in the sense that I get to spend more time with my family. We've had Uno nights and we've had uh, nights where we play music together and we go on bike rides and we go to the park, you know, distance from other people. And, and we've had some, some of the best times of our lives during the shutdown, but that's not the case for everybody. There's this, this term of COVID divorces, the word COVID and, and divorce put together, COVID divorces, because there were people who are already on the brink and then being in the quarantine has pushed them over the edge. The truth is sometimes it's easier to love strangers than it is to love the people closest to us. It's been said you hurt the ones you love. And I think that's because as we get close to somebody, sometimes we slip into this habit of viewing other people as though they belong to us our family members, our friends, our children, our partners, our, our closest friends. With that close proximity can come this, this erroneous belief that people are our possessions, that they belong to us somehow. And because of that, we can start to take them for granted as though they're ours, they belong to us. And just like any other possession, we can get tired of it and take it for granted or even mistreat them because we are beginning to view them as their possession and like they'll always be around and I can just take them for granted. But perhaps 2020 has clarified for us that people are not possessions. Our children do not belong to us. We are stewards over them, caretakers over them. They are placed in our hands as our responsibility to care for them, but they don't belong to us. Our spouse doesn't belong to us. We refer to them as my partner, but, but my partner can be misleading because they're not really mine. They're not my possession. I don't own them. So uh, for example, my wife is a school teacher. She's, she teaches fourth grade and every year, there is at least one or two students who have struggled all the way through elementary school because they have a diagnosable struggle that they're facing and their parents have never addressed that. They haven't gotten any kind of therapy. Often the child needs medication and the parent has not given them care to where they could get medication. And they come to my wife's class. They're, they're not able to focus on their work. They're struggling socially. They're essentially ostracized because they're not able to, to you know, socially fit in with the rest of the kids. They, they are not able to, to do the schoolwork. And they just suffer all day, every day at school because their parents have not taken them to get the care that they need. And they're 10 years old at this point. And every year, my wife has to have a conversation with at least one set of parents, if not more, 
and say, you know, here's what I'm seeing in your child. And I think it would really help your child to be evaluated. And there, there is care available for your child. There's medication available for your child if that's what they need. But there are parents who, who think maybe they're saving their child by not getting them medication. There may be parents who are embarrassed to admit that their child might need that, that special kind of care. But our children are not our possession. They don't belong to us. They're entrusted into our care. About a year ago, there was a story here locally in Chandler, um, where I live, about a parent who called 911 and told the 911 dispatcher that their child had a temperature of like 105. And the dispatcher thought maybe the child had meningitis and, and the child was not vaccinated, the parent shared. And, and uh, the dispatcher told the parent to take the child to the emergency room and the parent refused. The parent told the, the 911 dispatcher, I don't know why they called them, but they told the dispatcher, no, I'm not going to take my child to the ER. And the story ended up in the news because the Chandler police went to that house and they knocked on the door and announced, you know, this is the police, let us in. And they didn't, they didn't open the door. And the Chandler police kicked in the door. And they found that child with a temperature and took that child to the ER. And incidentally, they said there were two more children in the home that were vomiting. And there was a, an unsecured shotgun sitting in the, the parents' bedroom. And in the, the Facebook news story I read, the headline was like, you know, Chandler police forced their way into home or something like that. And then underneath in the comments, somebody commented, no, let me fix that headline. Chandler police rescue child from negligent parents. There, I fixed it for you. I, I agree with that person. Why, why did the Chandler police intervene on behalf of that child and get that child medical care? Because that child does not belong to that parent. That parent's rights uh, to, you know, caring for their child end when they be begin neglecting that child. That child's a human being created in the image of God. And, and a person cannot withhold medical care from that child. They don't belong to us. We are stewards of them. They are entrusted into our care. That's true of all of our loved ones. They're not our possessions. You think about you know, habits that maybe your loved one has that are annoying to you. And they're, they're petty, they're petty habits, you know, and, and things that, that, you know, kind of get under your skin. But in the light of 2020, maybe those things just aren't as important as you thought they were. When the shutdown first began in March, I remember looking at my, my wife and kids, you know, I remember I was standing in our kitchen and we were getting ready for dinner. And I looked at them and I just had this, this thought, what if, what if they get COVID and they have a, a bad reaction and, and I lose them? Now, most people recover and they, they don't die from COVID. 250,000 Americans have. And that thought just occurred to me, what if, what if I lose my family member to COVID? And that, that caused me throughout you know, the months since the shutdown began, to look at my wife and my children at times just a, a second or two longer 
and just take in that moment. Can you identify with what I'm saying? That you just look at them just for a second or two longer than what you did before this happened. And you just kind of take that snapshot. Because 2020 has clarified for me, I just want to enjoy the time that I have for them, that I have with them. I just want to enjoy what I have because we never know. And statistically, it's not likely to be COVID. It's likely to be a car accident or some other disease that would take a loved one away from you. But 2020 has clarified for me, I just want to, I just want to enjoy every moment that I can. I just, I just look at them for an extra second and just take that mental picture and just enjoy this moment and express love to them more. Our friends and family are our neighbors too. Well, 2020 is not over. Lots of us are looking forward to it being over, but we still have a few more weeks to go. And unbelievably, next Sunday is the beginning of Advent. Advent uh, is the season of the year when we look forward to the arrival of Jesus at Christmas all over again. And we are still living in an incredibly anxious, stressful time. And it's hard to wrap your mind around the things that we're going through in our country right now and that we're going to be going through throughout the Christmas season. And so during Advent, we have the opportunity to see our lives in greater clarity and to think about what really matters in life. And so our Advent series this year is entitled, All Was Not Calm. We think of the song Silent Night, and we'll sing that during our Christmas Eve online service this year, the, the, the song Silent Night. But the truth is that first Christmas was not a silent night. All was not calm in Mary and Joseph's lives and in the life of the baby Jesus on that first Christmas. And this Christmas is going to feel different. This is a different Christmas than we normally experience. We'll celebrate during the darkness of a pandemic, often at a distance from the people we love. And it may feel even more painful because of the, the typical warm and fuzzy feelings we, we have toward Christmas. We have this idyllic, you know, hallmark card view of, of a day of, of light and inspiration and everything's perfect and like the lyrics of Silent Night. But that's not what the first Christmas was really like. The real Christmas story tells us that it was not a silent night and all was not calm. Jesus was born into a dark, noisy world, a, ruled, a world ruled by dictators with fear of disease and increasing hatred for those who were perceived as different in any way. That's the world that Jesus was born into. And when the Christmas story speaks of light shining into the darkness, we now know what that darkness feels like. So the first Christmas was a lot like this one. And we're going to celebrate Christmas this year, knowing that the world Jesus was born into was a lot like ours. In 2020, the Christmas story, the real Christmas story, means perhaps more now than it ever has before. I want to play you a quick one-minute promo for the, this Advent series starting next week, All Was Not Calm. Let's watch.
So our Advent series, All Was Not Calm, starts next week. Then on December 6th, we're going to invite uh, our friend Jezekiel Vitalsay to give the sermon. The second week of Advent, Jezekiel is going to give the sermon here. Jezekiel used to lead worship at the well, but then he and his wife moved to New York when she got this amazing opportunity. Um, it was a fellowship at a college in New York, and so that's where they live now. But through video, Jezekiel is going to give the sermon on December 6th. And then our Christmas Eve candlelight service is going to be online only this year. It's December 24th at 5 p.m. online here at well.online.church or on Facebook, wherever you're watching. It's bring your own candle in your own house. So we'll sing Silent Night together at the end of the service uh, by candlelight. But join us uh, for the Christmas Eve candlelight service online only on December 24th. So as we wrap up this 2020 Clarity Series, has this year helped you to clarify the way you view your life? Has it helped you to clarify our country, what America is, and how can we relate to people who vote so differently than we do? Like we talked about last week, has it helped to clarify your view of religion and what it means to be a Christian, if you're even comfortable using that word, what your spirituality means to you? And has 2020 clarified your purpose? It could be your career, your job, or it could be just the way you use your time and your gifts and your particular abilities. Maybe it's clarified your greater purpose, that now more than ever, we need love and compassion and empathy. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves and the people closest to us, our loved ones, are also our neighbors. And we have the opportunity to love them and enjoy every moment that we have with them. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for the way that 2020 has clarified how we view our lives. We're not thankful for everything that's happened in 2020. A pandemic that has cost 250,000 American lives and unbelievable suffering through the disease and through the economic toll that that disease continues to take on our country. We're not thankful for the division that we've seen. We're not thankful for the ugliness and the hatred we've seen. What we are thankful for here as we approach Thanksgiving is that in everything, as Romans 8.28 says, you work for good. And this horrible year, in many ways, has helped us to clarify what is important to us. Our loved ones, the way we use our time, our purpose, our calling, the way we relate to other people in our country who are so different, what it means to be a follower of Jesus when so many people in our country claim to be a Christian and then they act in ways that are so much unlike Jesus. 2020 has helped us to clarify a lot of things. And we're thankful for that. And as we approach Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, God help us to do this hard but courageous work of continuing to clarify who you're calling us to be and what we're thankful for and how we can allow you to live through us in 2021. Maybe in, in new and better and much more thrilling ways than we've ever allowed you to live through us in the past. So God, while we're not thankful for everything that's happened this year, we're thankful in 
this year that you have spoken to us and you have clarified things for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said,